In the name of the God who has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, whose righteousness endures forever. Amen. Those of you who've been in church the last two weeks will remember that we're embarked on this series called The Great Opportunity, Priorities in Christian Giving. I've stored up one or two nice things for today, so don't think that you will have heard all that I wanted to say in the last two weeks. And in particular, one or two people said to me after the last two, well, okay, that's all very interesting about giving to the church, but how does that fit in with giving to other Christian organisations and indeed other charities generally? Well, I'll deal with that later on, if I may. Paul is writing to the church that he founded at Corinth in the passage that we heard read. And he is uh, writing about a collection that he's trying to get up for the church in Jerusalem. A church which was obviously the mother church of all the churches, but a church which by the time he was writing this letter, about 50 AD, um, had fallen on very hard times. The whole of the area surrounding Jerusalem had been hit by a series of disastrous harvests and uh, people were starving. And so Paul writes to this church and probably to the other churches and says, you have to raise your eyes above the horizon of your own church. You've got to look onwards and outwards and particularly you've got to look back to Jerusalem where our faith in Jesus Christ started. And uh, so he asked them to put aside some money that he can take as an offering to the church in Jerusalem. And he knew when he was writing that he was writing to a church which probably consisted in the majority of slaves and servants, people really at the lower end of the economic spectrum, people who had very little of their own. And he expected them to give of that small wealth for the support of others. And so, in a way, it's a chastening reading for those of us who live in relative plenty and affluence. But Paul suggests two things that will help us. First of all, in reflecting on God's generosity to us, which is a theme that we've heard throughout this series, it should encourage us to pray about the needs of others as well as the needs of our own. And in praying, we might well uh, discern what God's will is for us in relationship to the stewardship that we have of what we've been given. But Paul also, Paul also makes a point which, um, in my experience, is entirely valid. And that is, hard though it may seem to start with, the more you give away, the happier you can become. It's not particularly intuitive, is it? Because we think of giving money away as an obligation. But the whole of the thrust of this is that, well, it is an obligation in a way, but more than that, it's deeply seated in our Christian faith. And it's something that isn't an obligation because it's something we ought to want to do something we would want to do if we really recognised God's generosity to us. I'm 
to read you something which, going back a couple of hundred years or so, uh, tells us how we should organise our lives so that indeed we will have some spare money. Do not waste money in gratifying the desire of the eye by superfluous or expensive apparel or by needless ornaments. Waste no part of it in curiously adorning your houses, in superfluous or expensive furniture, in costly pictures, painting, gilding, books, in elegant rather than useful gardens. And what I suggest when you get home is that you dig up the lawn and plant some vegetables. <laughs> that was John Wesley writing uh, in the middle of the 18th century. And I think you can hear from that, in spite of the slightly different language from what we would typically use today, that the same issues were around. People liked to buy nice clothes. They liked to live in houses which said something about their status. They liked to be surrounded by nice gardens. For Christians, the priority, Wesley suggests, is a different one. It goes back to our first week, first to the Lord that what we have is a result of what he's given us and that we are holding it, if you like, as stewards for him, knowing that in the end, when we reach the end of our lives, we can carry nothing with us. Wesley also has some interesting things, and I won't read you because it will shock you when he starts talking about children. He didn't have children of his own, but that might have been a good thing because he really said, well, well children don't need much. Uh, just give them the bare necessities and, and they'll be fine. Uh, that's not perhaps something that we would find easy to hear in our current age, is it? But the whole of this arose out of what he felt was the great thing that God had done for him through Jesus, which was to save him from the sin which is part of the human condition. And his response to that was one of generosity. In fact, uh, he was a very austere man, he was reputed not particularly to have a sense of humour. In fact, um, I was reading something out of his journal and the nearest that he gets to a joke is that when he was accosted by someone on the road uh, whose opinions he didn't agree with, um, he looked at the two horses and realised that his horse was a much, in much better condition than his companions. And what he said was, I stuck like a leech to him till Northampton so that I could continue arguing with him. Well, I think that's as near his sense of humour as we might find. But he was a very godly man and he covered something like uh, a quarter of a million miles on horseback round the three kingdoms preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. When he was an undergraduate, he decided how much money he needed for the necessities of life and for the rest of his life, anything above that that he got, he gave away. And in a great sermon of his called The Use of Money, which if you put in John Wesley sermon use of money into Google, you'll get loads of ways of accessing this. Um, the sermon does last for an hour, so I will only give you the briefest of synopses. Um, he says three things. Gain all you can. In other words, work hard. There is nothing wrong in acquiring money. It's what you do with it that counts. Gain all you can. Save all you can. In other words, spend as little as you can. And having gained and save all you can, then the crunch comes, give all you can. 
So the saving is not so that we will have some kind of wealth that is going to provide us with status later on. You remember the man with the barns at harvest time, the man who built bigger barns and then died and didn't have a chance to enjoy them. Save so that we can give, so that we're in a position to do more good. So how do we decide what's the right amount for us to give to this church? What's the right amount for us to give to uh, Christian organisations? What's the right amount for us to give to other charities? And the answer is, well, you have to work that out for yourself. Uh, on the move sheets, and if we did run out of them, I'll try and make sure that we have some further copies available after the service. On the move sheets, there are various ways that suggest you might think about giving to the church and through the church because we give both to other churches to poorer churches than ourselves through the parish share and because we give directly to Christian charities at one tenth of our income corporately together in community we are kind of modelling the same kind of thing that as for individuals I think is right but you'll see on the sheet that there are various ways of thinking about our commitment through prioritising through um, giving proportionately those of us who are better off should give more than those who are worse off and, and I'll make the same point that I have the previous two weeks I'm not speaking to those who already give more perhaps than they can afford you're doing your bit you don't have to give more nor am I speaking to those for whom a discussion with perhaps a, a husband or a wife who doesn't attend church doesn't believe in the Christian message themselves such a discussion might lead to an argument. I'm not suggesting that you have to confront that either. But many of us here are not in, that, in either of those two positions. We do have uh, control of our own resources, and so we can think in terms of what we've been given and therefore uh, something of what we can, in a way, give back. Uh, I was a bit taken aback when all these cuts and the misery that they're going to cause to so many people were announced on Wednesday that um, David Cameron seemed to have um, pinched the phrase that I thought went really nicely with the subject of the sermons, which was, we're in it together. We're all in it together. Well, we are as a country, of course, uh, and decisions have been taken on our behalf which we may or may not agree with. We are in it together, but of course, locally, here in this community, much more so are we in it together. And I just think, knowing the people that may up this community, what a great opportunity there is. That's why that's the heading of our sermon series. A great opportunity for this church going forward to do great things. Not that it hasn't done great things in the past, but the future is out there to be grasped. I just think we need a few more resources to do it properly. Uh, and so there are other ways that you might like to think about it, but just take to heart what Paul said in that reading. Pray about it. If you're not sure, prayer will give you the answer. Not necessarily the answer you thought of, or not necessarily the answer that you want to hear, but God does answer prayer. And take it seriously. If you take it seriously, then a lot of difficulties with it uh, kind of, um, they just go away. And I can say that from my own experience. You don't want to hear a lot about me, do you? But I can say from my own experience that having prepared these three sermons and having thought about this subject for some time beforehand, 
um, because although you might like, I might think I like doing it, I don't especially like talking about money in church, and I don't, for example, like asking people who come to baptisms and weddings to make a contribution if they wish to. I don't like any of that, and yet, and yet, money and our resources are part of us, part of what we have to deal with. And I can say that um, as a result of this process that's been going on, for me it's caused me to make some quite significant changes in the way that I deal with my own resources. And I hope that at least for some of us here, it'll have that same effect. There's one other thing that again I don't really like to mention, but I think if I don't mention it, I'm kind of failing in um, giving you the greatest opportunity to think about that. Um, as you know, we've set up the Friends of St. James. We're hoping that as a result of that, uh, some money will come from outside which will help us maintain this wonderful building. But as part of that, we are inviting people to think about legacies, leaving money to the church in their will. You can do it through the Friends of St. James, or you can just leave a legacy to the PCC. Um, and again, I was heartened when I read this sermon of Wesley's, that he doesn't shy away from that subject either. You're going to leave it to. You're going to leave it to your children. Well, what are they going to do with it? Leave your children just about as little as you can get away with, is what he says. They've got to make their own way. They don't need it. And give the rest away. So the great thing is our tax system encourages people to give donations to charity via legacies and through donations anyway. But there is a way, if particularly if someone doesn't have any cash now or money now and they wanted to remember the church, that's another way of doing it. But I want to end on a quite different note, and that note is going back to what Paul said. God loves a cheerful giver. And as I said at the beginning, I can tell you from personal experience that the more you give away, the happier you become. And sometimes you might see me smiling. And just think when you see me smiling that I'm cheerful uh, not because of anything other than that I'm cheerful in the gospel and I'm cheerful because I'm a cheerful giver too. And I hope and pray that you will all be cheerful givers too. Having said that, this is week three of three. And so next week when you come to church, all... References to money and giving and wealth will be entirely incidental and not the main subject. But they will continue because it's so much an important thing in our lives. And so I'd just like to read those verses that I read at the beginning to remind you. God has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And to him be glory for ever and ever. Amen.